Welcome to the Laura Mayer Podcast. I'm so glad you joined me today with this, I believe it's our sixth episode of our podcast. And um, before I jump in, I wanted just to um, make a quick announcement that we will not be doing a podcast episode next week. My family and I are going to take some time off, and I thought about trying to record another episode and, and try to just schedule it to launch next Friday. But honestly, guys, with all the stuff going on right now and having my kids at home all the time and the different things that I'm trying to juggle and balance, I thought, you know what? I think they'll forgive me. So no podcast next week, but we'll pick back up the following week. So today, what we're going to talk about, y'all, it just never ceases to amaze me. The depth of that you find in the Word of God. Isn't it crazy how you can read a verse that maybe you've read a hundred times before, but you read it again, and all of a sudden this revelation just starts pouring into your heart from the Word. I love how the Word does that, and it's because the Bible says the Word of God is alive and sharper than a double-edged sword and is even able to divide joint and marrow. So I think of that as like a skilled surgeon that's able to go in with the fine scalpel to divide out what needs to be divided out and to make sense of what needs to be made sense of. That's what the Word of God does, which is so super cool. But um, it's been about two years ago that when I stumbled across the scripture, it's in Proverbs. We're going to start out reading Proverbs chapter 27, verse seven. And I came across this verse and I know I've read it a hundred times. You know, Proverbs, if you didn't know this, has 31 chapters and most months have 31 days. And so you can read a Proverbs a day. And it's a really great way to start your day off with wisdom. And they're short, sweet, to the point. And so um, I did that for years and years and years. So I know I've read this part, but it jumped out at me when I was studying what the Word of God had to say about healthy boundaries and toxic relationships. Well, I came across, again, Proverbs 27, 7, and it jumped out to me with so much truth that I want to help deliver to you today. So buckle up, let's go. Proverbs 27, 7 says in the New International Version, One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but To the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. The New Living Translation says, A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. You know, I get an image in my mind of um, a giant Thanksgiving meal. And if you're not from the United States, I'll give a quick recap because actually I've been seeing there's some of you guys listening in not from the United States, which I think is super cool that this work and this um, heart mission of mine is reaching across borders. And I love that. Welcome. So glad you're listening in. But here in the U.S., Thanksgiving is a holiday that we have in November, and it's set aside to be a day of thanks. And actually what it ends up becoming is kind of just a day of feasting where your family gets together and you eat eat way too much food, Um, usually turkey and, you know, seven or eight side dishes to go along with that. But Thanksgiving, it's kind of joked about that you just, you're so full all day long, you know, from eating. And then they bring out the desserts and you, you know, have 
have any of you ever been so full at Thanksgiving that they bring out the pumpkin pie and you just, re, you know, refuse it and say, oh, goodness, no, I'm so full. Or you're at a restaurant and you've you've eaten enough and they bring the dessert cart by. And even though everything looks good, you're like, oh, no, thank you. I am too full. I don't have any room. Well, that's what I think about when I read Proverbs 27, 7, that a person who is full refuses honey. So honey probably would have been one of the sweetest foods that they had back in the time of Solomon when this when um, Proverbs was being written. But even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. You know, if you're hungry, you don't really care that much about what something tastes like. You're just so hungry. And if you've been hungry for very long, your your body itself is just craving nourishment, um, craving something to satisfy those hunger pains and the cramping in your stomach. And so it's saying here that when somebody is hungry, the most bitter thing, they'll still reach for it to fill them up. Isn't that amazing? If you look at that verse through the context of the relationships that we reach for or settle for or even become the role that we become in a relationship has a lot to do with your hunger level. It has a lot to do with how well you're being fed elsewhere. Um, has a lot to do with if you're hungry, you'll settle for less. Where if you're full, you'll even push things away that maybe other people might reach for. So um, all longing, well, let me back up a little bit. When I was thinking about what to share with you guys today, and you know, I don't, it doesn't just come out of my brain. I stop and pray, okay, Lord, what do you want them to hear this week? I want to deliver a fresh, hot meal, not just something that I've pre-recorded weeks and weeks before, but every week sitting down and delivering a message to you. And actually, um, I'm recording this one at 1030 on Thursday night, and this is going to go live Friday morning. So this is kind of down to the wire, but that's kind of how it's been rolling lately because I've been busy in the week. And so I'll just sit down Thursday night the night before and get it all recorded. But the phrase that I kept hearing when I was asking the Lord about what to share was lacking and longing and how those two words are so connected. And that when we long for something, it's because we're lacking something. And if we can identify what we're lacking and handle that, handle the root cause, you know, God is always so much more interested in getting to the root of the problem. If we can get to the root of what we're lacking, the longing will go away and we'll quit reaching for substitutes to take the place. But I wanted to go and put this little caveat here that not all longing is bad. Um, we long for oxygen, for example. If you've been deprived of oxygen, you're longing for oxygen. That's not a bad thing. Um, we long for food when we're hungry. I think as humans, we long for community and fellowship with other people. I know that has really come to the forefront in my awareness through all of this COVID-19 stuff going on. How much, even though I am introverted in a lot of ways, I love people, but um at night, I truly just want to be home alone a lot of times, and just I, I crave that quiet time of aloneness. It's when I recharge, but it's I've been made so much more aware of how much I long for community, 
and for friendship. And so you don't realize what you're longing for until you're hungry for it, you know, until you ha- you've been deprived of it. So, and we also long for love. Did you know the human brain is wired for love? If you listen to, um, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Caroline Leaf, but she is a Christian neuroscientist who is fabulous at explaining um, science from the perspective of the Word of God. And of course, science agrees with the Word, which no, no surprise there. But it's interesting how, how much of Scripture um, blends in with things that the scientific community is beginning to understand. But anyway... Um, Humans are wired for love, and when we are deprived of love, especially at a young age, that it can even cause what appears to be uh, similar to brain damage on scans, that we have little receptors that receive love, and when those receptors go um, if when those needs go unmet, how those receptors shrink back and shrivel up because there was no love accepted. and um, But thankfully, our brains can rewire and regrow. But anyway, so we are wired for love. But the problem is when we long for something that's either out of season, it's not the right time in our life for it, or we use substitutes to feel the void. Y'all, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. I recently watched a show. I forget what streaming service we were watching this on, but it was about people who hoard animals. And so there was a man there who had over 100 chickens inside of his house. I'm not even joking. It, it was over 100, maybe 150 chickens and roosters on the inside of his house. There were eggs all over the place. There was everything all over the place, feathers all over the place. The man couldn't even sleep in his own bed. He slept on the couch in the living room because the chickens, that's where thats where he put the ones, the mama chickens and all their little babies and stuff was in his bedroom. And so it was such a bizarre thing. And this man had been um, previously in his career, had been a part of the military, had been a linguist and really had a lot of success. And then, you know, he's basically living in squalor at this point, surrounded by 150 chickens inside of his house. And so if you've ever watched shows like that, they always bring a psychologist in to, you know, help the person and get to the root of what the problem is and not to go super deep. But I thought it was amazing when it came out that this man, this man's father was a very bad alcoholic. And left the family when this man was a very was very young. And so he always longed for the relationship from a father he never knew. And then he grew up and he got married and he had children. And his wife left him when he went through a horrific divorce. The children were taken from him. Um, this was a few decades ago, several decades ago. And she took the kids and went across the country. And so here... Here is his wife and then his children, more relationships that were taken from him. And because he longed for relationship and for love, which is what we're wired to long for, but he was afraid of getting attached again when the children were grown and tried to come back into his life. He didn't really have anything to do with them. And instead, that's when he started collecting chickens. He never set out to be a chicken hoarder. But he started collecting chickens and one after another and then the the eggs kept hatching because the chickens couldn't reject him. So he poured all of his heart and soul into something where he was insulated from the pain of being rejected again. 
You know, I think we humans, because we are wired for love, we do whatever is in our ability to stay away from ever feeling unloved or unlovable. And as I was pondering over this, I saw three main ways that I feel like we do this. And this is not a complete list, I'm sure. But just listen and see if maybe there's been times in your life where you can identify with one of these three things of when humans try to avoid moments of feeling unloved or avoid losing love. The first way that I've noticed that people do this is when Love has been such an unsure thing in their life, and the pain of losing love and losing rejection causes them to put up a wall. And when anybody does try to get through the the wall, they're pushed away. And so this person on the outside looks very prickly, acts very prickly, much like a porcupine with the quills pointing outwards. And it's it's a self-protection thing that people do. Those that act the toughest and the prickliest often are the most wounded. And it's good to remember when you're interacting with people that sometimes the people that act the most unlovely are the ones needing the most love. So they push other people away, and it's a way to insulate from losing love or or their greatest fear is that if they let someone close enough to them that person will realize how unlovable they truly are and they'll reject them so it's just easier to keep people from ever getting that close keeping everybody at arm's length another way that I've seen people do this is by finding substitutes like the crazy story with the man and the over 100 chickens in his home And we laugh because probably nobody listening to this podcast is a chicken hoarder. Although if you are, I'm sure there is help available for you somewhere. Um, Don't call me because I'm not quite sure what to do. No, I'm joking. But we can also try to substitute with other things like unhealthy relationships, maybe food, maybe throwing ourselves head first into a career and staying so busy with with things, maybe throwing ourselves into crazy amounts of volunteer work just to keep ourselves busy so that we don't have time to stop and address the real issues of our heart. We let things substitute the love that we're truly longing for. And the third way that I've seen humans react out of this fear of ever being caught in a place of feeling unloved or people finding out how unlovable they are because they truly feel that if people were close enough, they would view them as unlovable, is that they throw themselves 110% into relationships. Whereas the first, you know, um, profile that I mentioned is someone that puts walls up. The the final one would be somebody with no walls, zero boundaries, zero, zero walls. They have no sense of self because they get all of their self-worth from other people's opinions of them. And so they throw themselves 110% into every relationship that they're in, and they exhaust themselves trying to keep everyone happy around them. They're so afraid of disappointing anyone because they're afraid of losing love. Do any of those three things sound familiar? I know they do for me. And you know what? I really truly believe there's been times in my own life where I fit all three of those profiles at one time or another. 
But it's so helpful when you can pull back and say, what am I longing for? So then what am I lacking? And attack it from that point of view. I want to share a story with you. A time um, I had graduated from high school um, pretty soon before this, and I was working at Walmart, my local Walmart as a cashier. And I remember a time that I was on my way to work. I was working second shift, and I just was so overcome in the season of my life with so much loneliness. Just my life at this time, um, just because of circumstances kind of out of my control, there was a lot of transition, and um, my people, my friend group had all kind of vanished. People were starting college. People were starting jobs. Some people had moved, and really nothing bad happened. It just kind of all dissolved, and, and so I find myself in a very, very, very lonely place, and I remember feeling like that I was just maybe looking at other people's lives and other people's relationships. And I was at the age that I was really starting to think about who I would marry someday and really craving the intimacy that comes from having a deeply connected, you know, like an emotionally connected relationship. So when I say intimacy, I'm not talking about physical necessarily, but just, um, we know when you're bonded with somebody, when you've got a person, when you've got a best friend, and I was craving that intimacy, and I was looking at people around me, and um, I felt like I was the only person I knew that didn't have a boyfriend and no prospects, and honestly, I had already told the Lord that I didn't want to date a lot of people. I really just believed that he would bring me the right one when it was his time. And I'd promised him that I was going to wait until he brought uh, my husband to me or brought me to him, whichever way you want to say that. But it didn't take care of the loneliness when I saw everybody else that seemed to be so happy in their little relationships. And I remember just talking to God about it on my way to work at Walmart. And the Holy Spirit spoke so softly to my heart. And he said, Laura, when you're craving intimacy in this time of singleness, it's really your spirit man craving intimacy with me and to come spend time with me. And so I did. On my way to work, it made me think about, I had, I had heard before that, you know, if you're trying to stay away from sugar and trying to eat healthy, that if you're craving sugar, to eat an apple or eat something that has natural sugars in it, because that will be so much more satisfying to you and it will cut the sugar craving. And so the Lord kind of explained it to me like that, that I thought I was craving that deep connected intimacy with someone, but because that wasn't the season of my life that I was in. It would have been out of season that I was craving the wrong thing, but instead reach for the healthier option like the apple, but reach for intimacy with my heavenly father. And so I worshiped my heart out the whole way to work at Walmart. I cranked up my music. I think I had probably, I don't even know if I had a CD player in my car at this point. I think I had a CD player like in the passenger seat that I would listen to, but I put on my worship music and just poured my heart out to God, just spent intimate time with him, told him all the things that were close to my heart, all the things that I would tell someone if they were sitting there with me on my drive to town. By the time I got to work, I got out in the parking lot. All loneliness was gone. 
Here, just 20 minutes earlier, I was feeling so, so low. But after spending time in the presence of God, intimate time with Him, worshiping my heart out to Him, the loneliness was gone, and I felt so full. I was longing because I was lacking. I'd been busy. I was lacking time with my Heavenly Father. And I was lacking connected friendships around me. But instead of reaching for something that was out of season, instead of reaching to find a relationship with someone that I knew wasn't going to be someone I would end up with, but they'll do for now. Instead of getting my heart wrapped up and entangled in a relationship that was not God's plan for my life, I reached upward to heaven. That was such a powerful truth that the Lord taught me that day to stop. And when I sensed that I was longing something, it was because I was lacking something. And I really believe that maybe nine out of 10 times, let's say, that when we're lacking something and longing for something, it's that something is love. Sure, we may think that we are lacking security or belonging or acceptance or to feel that we're enough, but all of these things really exist in being truly loved. You guys, one of my favorite scriptures, and I think I probably quote it every single podcast, is 1 John 4, 18. And I'm going to actually read it. I want you to see some things here. Now, I'm reading this out of the King James Version because I really like how the King James says it here. But 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You know, that word perfect there means whole. It doesn't mean without blemish. Like, you know, someone is perfect because they never do anything wrong, which doesn't even exist because they're human. So Jesus is perfect because he never did anything wrong. But that word perfect there means whole. So the last part of that scripture, it says that he that feareth has not been made whole in love. The love that they're talking about there is the perfect love of Jesus, of knowing that you are in covenant with the Most High God, and He has promised to supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory, even your need for belonging, even your need for love, even your need for self-confidence, even your need of knowing that you're worth something, you're worth something and that you matter to somebody. That when you have a revelation of how much He loves you, it perfects your heart. It brings wholeness to your heart. And knowing that perfect love casts out all fear. That longing is rooted a lot of times in fear of lack. That longing because we lack. So I want to leave you with this today. I want you to think about what are the areas where you feel like you're longing for something. There's a craving in your soul for something, take time to even write it down. Even hit stop on this podcast to go do it now or do it as soon as I finish. But write down and think about the areas where you feel like you're longing and there's a craving. Even ask the Lord about it. And then take time to talk to the Lord and ask Him, God, what am I lacking here that you can feel?
you know, back down, back to that nine times out of 10, that's not even scientifically proven. That's just my own numbers. But I do believe that most of the time it comes down to lacking an understanding of his love in an area. Because when you know he loves you and that he withholds no good thing from you, you're not reaching for something else to fill the void. You know that you already have everything on the inside of you because he's on the inside of you. So even if it's something good that you've been waiting for, maybe you're in a season of transition or a season of waiting, that if you will stay full of the Lord, then his fruit of patience will activate on the inside of you. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. So when you stay full of him, full of his Spirit, then that fruit of patience will activate in your heart and it will help you wait so that you can mix faith with it faith with that patience, and inherit the promise of what he's promised you. So I encourage you today, turn your longing and lacking into loving on God and letting his love saturate your heart and soul. And then you will be like the person in Proverbs 27, 7, who is so full that there is no room for what used to taste sweet. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Can't wait to meet you here next time as we continue to learn that being His means being free.